you for an anointing this morning, something of which I'm not worthy. I ask you to touch me, O oh God, that I might speak to these people today that are assembled in your house, words of everlasting life. Touch my lips, O oh Lord, and touch my mind, and let the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Last week we talked about the fountain, and who is the fountain? Zechariah said, there shall be open in the house of David. Aren't you glad it's open? It's open. What does that mean? Anybody can come. It's open. There shall be a fountain open in the house of David. A fountain. A fountain. A fountain that never runs dry. A fountain that has life-giving water. A fountain that cleanses from sin. A fountain that refreshes and encourages and gives life to the parched desert places in our heart and our life. Last Sunday's message was about that fountain, and uh, this is part two of that message in a sense because we get in real trouble when we forget about that fountain. Sometimes we get so busy with all of the nomenclature and all of the minutiae of church that we forget about the fountain and that's the reason there is a church, is because there is a fountain. Because Jesus paid a sin debt for us. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. And he became the eternal sacrifice for the sins of the whole world forever. Zechariah 13, 1, when things looked desolate and things looked gloomy and dreary, he prophesied and said, there's coming a day. You remember the meaning of their names. Zechariah means what? God will bless. Amen. Ido means God will remember. His grandfather, Ben-Akariah, said his name meant at an appointed time. So at an appointed time, God will remember and bless. That's three good kin folks, isn't it? God makes a pretty good statement. God will bless. God will bless by opening up a fountain because the problem is sin and a fountain will wash the sin out of people's lives. Jesus' blood is the fountain that cleanses from sin. We quoted a great scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 when we talked about all the people that will never inherit the kingdom of God extortioners, thieves, liars, fornicators, whoremongers, idolaters. And the Bible said that they would not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says in the 11th verse, And such were some of you, but... I'm glad that little three-letter word is in there, aren't you? Of such were some of you. God could have left you alone. And there would not be a but in that verse. You could have been on your way to hell and you could have just went on your way, but, but God, God did something. God washed you. Of such were some of you, but you were washed. Washed. Praise God. But ye were sanctified. But ye were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus 
and by the Spirit of our God. Wow. Blood of Jesus and Spirit of our God. The cleansing agent and the cleansing flow. The agent is the Holy Spirit. He does the work of regeneration in your life. Titus 3 and 5 tells us not by our works were we justified, but by the washing, somebody say washing, washing of regeneration. What do you mean regeneration? Well, you once were alive in a garden and had uh, an inherited paradise, but we lost it. And when we were lost, sin separated us from God. And we became dead, somebody say dead, dead in trespasses and in sin. Lost, having no hope without God in the world. We were down for the count. Dead. But God. To regenerate means to give life again. What we lost in Adam, we regained in Christ Jesus by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing, somebody say renewing, and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God did the work of regeneration in us that made us a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Boy, I see left-handed folks writing down notes by the washing of regeneration. So one of the things that we believe in as Christians very strongly is regeneration. Regeneration. That means we become new creatures. We're born again. We have new life in Christ. We are resurrected to walk in newness of life. Amen. And he's telling us, don't forget about that fountain and that cleansing of the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that did the work in you. Aren't you glad God did that regenerative work in you and you are who you are today because God through the blood of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit made you a new creature in Christ Jesus, made you a child of God that we sang about a few minutes ago. Why don't you give him some praise and thanksgiving for that. That, my friends, is salvation God's way. God's way, sanctified, washed in the blood, sanctified and justified and the Holy Spirit in you working God's plan and God's purpose in your life. Now that right there is just a, a, a great assemblage of, of statements that by the washing you were like all folks on their way to hell not going to inherit the kingdom of God but you became a new person, regenerated because of the washing, but you were washed. Your old sins were purged. Purged. Can you say that word? Purged. Your old sins were purged. And we're admonished in the scripture, don't forget that. Don't forget 
the pit from which you were dug. Don't forget, you need to be hugged too, but don't forget the pit from which you were dug. Don't forget the rock from which you were hewn. Don't forget what you used to be before God touched your life. A constant praise. Paul said, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but now have become the servants of righteousness. And he said, thank God for that. We ought to pause in every service and have a thanksgiving to God because we're not who we used to be. And we're not headed to the place we used to be headed to. We don't have the sin we used to have. We don't have the guilt and there remaineth therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We don't have that curse hanging over us and that fear of death and hell and the grave. God through the process of regeneration has washed us in his blood, made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he says this, and I will remember their sins no more. Wow. So don't you let the devil come up trying to bring and dig up old bones. Don't you let him threaten and intimidate you with what you used to be and what you used to do and how you used to act. Don't let him try to throw a wrench in your machinery by bringing up old things. God has forgot them. I said God has forgotten them. And let me tell you this, the righteous, the Bible said, are in everlasting remembrance. What does that mean, Pastor? You've asked me before. you said, Pastor, how in the world can I rejoice in heaven? How in the world can I just be up there singing that redemption song? And how can I be up there at the marriage supper of the Lamb? And how can I be up there at the judgment seat of rewards and enjoying heaven knowing that people that I loved didn't make it and didn't go? If the righteous are in everlasting remembrance, then the unrighteous are in everlasting forgetfulness. In other words, you won't ever even know that you had a person that was lost that went to hell because they are not in everlasting remembrance. But righteous people are in everlasting remembrance. Aren't you glad of that? That's why I sing that song. Remember me when tears are falling down. Remember me when there's trouble all around. And oh, down at that river of Jordan, when you're calling the road, oh Lord, remember me. Don't you want him to remember you? I want him to remember me. 
I don't want him to forget that I ever was. I don't want to go out into outer darkness. I don't want to go out into eternal separation from God. I don't want to be forgot about. I want to have a remembrance with God. I, I want him to remember me. Come on, somebody. What did that thief say to the Lord Jesus on the cross? Lord, when thou comest into thy kingdom, remember me. Don't forget about me. Would you remember me? And prayed a nine-word prayer. Got a nine-word answer. This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. Oh, I, I want him to remember me. Jay, I want him to remember me. I want him to remember me. I want him to remember that night in Hartsell, Alabama, when I knelt at that altar, a 16-year-old, and really got down to business with God and surrendered my life to him. I want him to remember that night. I want him to remember the fact that he made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Praise God. I want him to remember me. I want to be in everlasting remembrance. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. You know, I used to preach, and I, I get it wrong, had good intentions, Habakkuk 2.14. It talks about, and the day shall come. Let me quote it wrong, and then I'll, I'll see if you can quote it right. The day is coming when the whole earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Sounds good, huh? That's not right. You want me to quote it right? Please. Habakkuk 2.14. For the day is coming when the earth, all the earth, shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Woo. Praise God. Why is knowledge so important, Pastor? Because God doesn't want you to forget that you were washed. Because God doesn't want you to forget that you were cleansed. Knowledge is the thing that we pursue after, after we meet Jesus. One of the indications that we have met Jesus and he has done a redemptive work in our life is our pursuit and our desire about knowing him better. You see, when I ask you, do you know Joe Fudge? No, I don't think I know him, Brother Jerry. Well, you know, he's uh, office over there in Etowah County. He works in the Oh, I, I know about him, but I don't know him. I know him, but I don't know him. Come on, somebody. You see, knowing has two definitions there. When you say, I know him, it means you have information. You know who he is. But another way of saying, but I don't know him, means you don't have a relationship with him. When Jesus met some very religious people who said, Lord, we've cast out devils in your name. Lord, we've done miracles in your name. But Jesus says to them, depart from me because I never knew you. Oh, I know who you are, but I don't know you. We don't have a relationship. Did you know it's possible to grow up in a church 
and know Jesus, but not know Jesus. Oh, you learned the language very early as a child. You learned the language, what to say. Know all the slogans. I've got you so trained on God is good, you, you don't miss a word. Know all the slogans. But to know is not really to know. You've got to take that knowledge another step where information, gospel, becomes relationship. It's got to progress. It's got to move on. God never intended for you to say a few things here in the altar and then just dismiss all that and go about your life as if you'd never had an encounter with Him. God intends that once you get saved, that you begin to increase in knowledge, that you increase in relationship. Because the more you know about Him, the more knowledge that you gain, glory to God, the more you desire Him, and the more you cherish Him, and the more you love Him, because the Word grows. I said the Word grows. Have you, have you never noticed that, that verse in Acts where it says, so grew mightily the Word of God and prevailed. So grew mightily the Word of God and prevailed. In Acts 4 and 4, you might want to write that one down. The Bible said after they'd arrested uh, Peter and, and John and was taking them over for trial, but the Bible said, notwithstanding, many believed the preaching. And many of them came to the Lord Jesus and were saved, and the number of them was about 5,000 men. Woo. Can you believe that? Many heard the message and believed, and the number was about 5,000. What happened? The word. What happened? Message. Look at the message. The message. They believed the message, and the result was multiplication. I said the result was multiplication. You know what can cause harvest to grow? When this place, these people sitting in these chairs, desire Him so much that you start growing. You see, you got to grow spiritually first before you can grow numerically. You got to get to be a bigger person in Christ before you can become a bigger congregation in Christ. You've got to grow up in Christ and become strong and mature in Christ. Disciplined, disciplined, temperate, patient, loving, kind, forgiving, praying, worshiping, walking. Glory to God. If the Word of God could grow, then the number of disciples will increase. Is anybody listening to this preacher? You see, the secret is when we start growing, when we start growing, when dads and moms start growing, when young married couples start growing, when the praise team starts growing, when the pastor starts growing, when the board starts growing, when trustees start growing, 
where Sunday school teachers start growing. I'm not talking about growing this way. I'm talking about growing up here. Growing, growing in knowledge, growing. But as it is written, if the Spirit is the agent that converts me, and the Spirit is the agent that matures me and grows me, wow. how does he do that? I have not seen, or hath not heard, neither of it in the heart of man. The things God has prepared for them that love him. Can anybody say amen to that? The things he has prepared, not just heaven, not just your halo, not just your wings. He's prepared some things for you in this life. He's, he's got a deeper experience. He's got a greater anointing. He's got a place in God and faith and hope and love and grace that he wants you to get to. You've not yet reached that place. You've not peaked out yet. We don't have a stopping place or a place where we have arrived. Come on, somebody. There's a goal to reach for. There's a mark to press toward. There's something God wants us to become and be. The Apostle Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have already attained. I'm not there yet. I'm still working on being what God wants me to be. I'm still every day trying to grow into and mature into what God wants me to be. But he said, there's something fighting against me. I've, I've got an enemy to fight. It's not just that messenger of Satan that fights me. I, uh, there's, there's an enemy that is in the me. There's an enemy that is in a me. Are you catching my drip? You see, we have to become so submitted that we become a, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Have you as yet offered yourself as a living sacrifice unto God, which is only your reasonable service? Come on, somebody. Have you as yet reached that place that your mind has become renewed? Have you reached that place that you're transformed by the renewing of your mind? Have you reached that place yet? Have you reached that place that you're ready to say, not my will, Lord, thine be done? Have you reached that place that you're ready to say, Jerry Irwin, you get out of the way here now. God's trying to do something here. God's at work. God's got a purpose. God's got a plan here. Now you just, old fleshly, worldly, lustful Jerry Irwin, get out of the way and let God do what God wants to do. Have you got to that place yet? Well, that's where he's taken us. And I'll tell you, when revival happens, it will come as the result of exactly what I'm preaching this morning. It will be people that become so hungry and so desirous for the Word of God. Did you know that attitude about the Word of God is the most distinctive, identifying characteristic of a saved person? You show me a person that says he's saved but doesn't love the Word of God, 
I doubt his salvation. Sorry. That's just the way it is. There is inside all of us a yearning for God. It can only be satisfied by eating every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm not taking that back. I said it and I'm going to let it stand. But as it is written, I hadn't seen. You hadn't heard. Tenth verse. But God hath revealed these things unto us by his, what? By his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Hey, how many of you can say, I know me pretty good? Because the spirit of man knows all about Jerry Irwin. But the spirit of man knows nothing about the spirit of God. Wow. When my spirit is ruling what I think, what I speak, how I act, then I'm walking according to my flesh. Are you hearing this, Pastor? The only way that we can mature and grow and gain this knowledge that I'm preaching about is by allowing the Spirit that is in us to reveal the things of God to us. He hath revealed them unto us, those deep things. What man knoweth the things of a man? It's just the spirit of man. All you know about yourself is what yourself tells yourself. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. But the Spirit of God knows. Now we have received, not the Spirit which is of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Is there anybody in the house that can say, I have received the Spirit of God? I'm waiting on that click of them heels. Glad I got me a good wood stage stand up here and do that. Why would you shout about that, Brother Jerry? That you've got the Spirit of God. Jesus said he dwelleth with you, but he shall be. We'll say it like us Southerners, in you. He's in you. Have you got the Holy Ghost in you? Have you got God in you? Got the power of God in you? Thank God. Let me finish. I'm going to try to land this plane. We're not fogged in, I promise. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which also think we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. You mean that spirit that took the blood and washed my sins away? That spirit that took the detergent and washed the filth out of my life? That, that agent that performed the act of regeneration and breathed into me and I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You mean that self-same spirit has taken up residence in me and his job is to reveal and teach and guide and lead. 
Oh, he didn't leave me. Thank God he stayed with me. When he got me saved, he stayed with me. Praise God, because the job wasn't done yet. And it's still not done until I stand in his presence one day and the Holy Spirit presents me. Glory to God. Evidently, at one time, we were dead this last week. Don, we got cast off on the dead pile. You ever been thrown over on file 13 where they put dead things? Things that they don't want to fool with and get put over there? It was presented but it just wasn't accepted and it got put over on file 13. And this week I got a phone call from the Grand Kahuna. And that ain't God. The Grand Kahuna called and said, is this Reverend Irwin? I said, yes. He said, uh, would it be all right with you if we represent your application next Tuesday morning? And I said, sure. I didn't know it needed representing, but if it needs representing, then you've got my permission to represent it. And then Terry Todd called me and he said, that's very good news. Because if he wasn't going to do something, he wouldn't have me represented. Excuse me, every now and then I just get a little Pentecost. Whoop, hallelujah. There have been some times, you know, I needed to be represented. Don't you sit there and look down your little ecclesiastical nose like you're snow white either. There have been some times when I grieved the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 4 and 30 says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. There have been some times, Brother Michael, when I grieved Him. There have been some times when I, I wasn't entirely faithful like I should have been. There have been some times when I, I, I didn't fully do the will of God like I should have done. Come on, somebody. And I'm speaking for all of us this morning. And I needed the Holy Spirit to reveal and teach and lead and guide me because the word of the Lord discerned the thoughts and intentions of my heart and when the Holy Spirit did his evaluation of me he realized he's in his heart he's got this Woo. in his heart he loves God in his heart he, he loves right doing in his heart he loves right things he, he's got a converted heart I think I'll represent him <laughs> glory to God 
And I was there when the Spirit came. Were you there when that power came, when that anointing? You see, I think there's an anointing to do this walk with God. I think there's an anointing to grow in grace. I think the Spirit is an enabler, glory to God, that enables and makes a way for you to get this knowledge. Glory to God, that's, that's great stuff. You know, over in, I guess it's Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul started talking about, where, where at, wherefore, at, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints. He said, I ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Wow. What were you praying for me? What is your prayer for all the saints? What are, what are you praying about for believers? That God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Paul prayed for believers that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation about the knowledge of Jesus. Wow. You mean knowledge about Jesus is something I need to have? You mean I need to be constantly more, more about Jesus? More of his saving fullness see? More of his love who died for me. More, more about Jesus. Tell me more. Tell me more. I want to know more. More about Jesus. I'm going to pray for you that God would give you a spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened you mean I got a problem with my eyes you mean I don't have anointed eyes you mean sometimes I see through a glass darkly and I don't understand the mess that's going on around me? You mean sometimes my eyes are not spiritual and they need prayer? That sometimes they're darkened and not lightened? Well, I'm preaching now. You mean sometimes I misjudge things because of my eyes? You mean some things I can't read because of my eyes. He's not talking about these cornea and all the facets of our eye. 
He's talking about the eyes of our understanding. Brother, there have been times when the eyes of my understanding were blind. That the eyes of your understanding might be in, enlightened. And that ye may know. Come on, somebody. That ye may know what is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. You know what the hope of his calling is? It's knowing that I know that I know in my knower that I am saved and that I have eternal life through Jesus Christ, that I'm not going to hell, I'm not going to a white throne judgment, that I'm going to heaven, that when the trumpet sounds, I'm going to leave this earth, either get up out of a grave or just be caught away to meet him in the air. The hope of his calling, he said, that ye may know. I'm praying that God will give you a spirit. I'm, I'm praying that God will give you an anointing, an anointing of revelation and wisdom so that you can know what is the hope of his calling and what is the glory of the riches of his inheritance in the saints which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him to sit on his own right hand in heavenly places. Are you sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus today? Have you taken your seat in the heavenly places alongside Jesus? Wow. The hope of his call. What is the hope of his call? What is the hope of the glory of the, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his right hand. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Above all, above all principalities, all power, all might, all dominion, gave him a name that is above every name. Above every name, Brother Ford. A name that is above every name. Every name that is in this world and every name that is in the world to come and hath put all things under his feet. Mm. Far above all principalities, put all things under his feet, and hath made him to be the head of all things to the church. Hath made him, can you say that with me? Hath made him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. Oh, what a Savior! Oh, hallelujah! His heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nailed, scarred 
His side was riven. He gave his life's blood for even me. God, don't ever let me forget the fountain. Don't let me forget that I was purged from my old sins. Don't ever let me forget. God, help me listen to that spirit that Paul prayed I would have. That spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. The knowledge of Jesus. Let me tell you, the more you can put into your banks about Jesus, the better servant of the Lord you're going to be. The more you can learn about Jesus, the better you're going to be qualified to do service for Him. You know, over in First Peter, I'm skipping so much, but I promise to get through by 11.30. First Peter talks about a cleansing. First Peter 1, verse 2 and 9. Come on up here, Justin, I'll close with this. He begins his letter like this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Anybody a candidate for that? Grace multiplied, peace multiplied. How is it going to happen to me? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Huh. I want to say when somebody says, Brother Jerry, pray that I'll get peace about this. I want to say, well, read your Bible. Brother Jerry, please, please just pray that I'll get peace. Read the Word of God. Listen to preachers. Listen to preaching. Come to church. Hear some preaching. Listen to some Word of God. Get it on, on tape and play it while you're riding down the road. That's dangerous, though. You'll get a spring up and like run over somebody. Or you might be like Don running 90 miles an hour. You know why there wasn't any traffic? on 459 when he was going, they saw him in their rear view mirror and they moved over to get out of his way. That's what Mickey said, Mickey told me that. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as his divine power. Somebody say divine power. Have you got any divine power? You mean the divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life. You mean I'm anointed to live for God? You mean the Holy Ghost that washed me with his blood? The Holy Ghost that teaches and leads and guides has anointed me with power to live this life through the knowledge, are you listening? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and to virtue. In other words, the Holy Ghost is committed to getting you to the finish line. He's not going to give up on you till he gets you to the finish line. Hey, he's going to finish this race with you. He may have to grab you by the collar and pull you a little bit and kick you in the rear a little bit and keep you going, but he's committed. I'm going to get you there. Glory to God. He's going to get you there. Whereby are given unto us exceeding and great precious promises. Anybody got a promise? Standing on the promises of God, not sitting on the premises of the church. 
great promises that by these ye might be partakers of that divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. And besides this, giving all diligence. What does giving all diligence mean? Give it your best effort. Put your heart in it. Oh, if I was going to preach a sermon this morning, it would be put your heart in it. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. To knowledge temperance. To temperance patience. Patience godliness. Godliness brotherly kindness. You know, when a brother attacks another brother, when isms and schisms get in a church, then somebody is not letting the anointing and the Holy Spirit lead and guide and give them information. When they start relying upon themselves and not the Holy Spirit, come on somebody, brotherly kindness and to be brotherly kind and have charity. For, listen, verse 8, for if these things be in you, it either is in you or it ain't in you. If it ain't in you, then you need to get somewhere and have a regenerative correction and ask God to do something of divine power and put divine nature in you. His divine nature is not mean-spirited. It's not backbiting. God's nature is what? Love. You can say it. Wow. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall never be barren. You know what barren means? The Greek word, let me see if I get it right. The Greek word is Katargeo in Greek, and it means idle, unemployed, inoperative, inactive, and unable to produce. If you don't have these things, you're unemployed, and God has laid you off. You don't need to let God have to lay you off. Boy, I threw a bomb out there, didn't I? You mean God lay, yeah, well look at all the idleness laying, sitting around you. That people that say they're Christians, but they never do a thing for the kingdom of God. 80% of the population of this country says they know God in some way. 12% of our population goes to church on Sunday. Come on, somebody. So we believe something we don't practice as a nation. We have mouth service and lip service, but the fact is God has laid somebody off because they're unemployed, idle, inactive, Come on, somebody. Not only God said, will you not be barren? If you've got these things in you, if you've got all these things in you, you won't be barren and you won't be unfruitful. Unfruitful is the word epignosis, and it means knowledge gained through first-hand relationship or what we call contact knowledge. 
Brother Jerry, what did Brother Don have on this morning? Got on a gray pair of pants and a black coat. How do you know that? I was with him. Had contact with him. I was there. Had some epignosis. Had some contact knowledge. God says, you won't be unfruitful. That means you're talking about something you don't know a thing in the world about. That means you talk about a God you don't know. That means you talk about a Holy Spirit you don't have. That means you talk about an anointing that you've never experienced. That means you talk about a fire that you've never kindled and you've never built. And that's what epignosis is. And God said, you'll never be like that if you'll have these things that the relationship produces, the divine nature produces these things. So I guess the bottom line just comes down to this. If we don't have that contact information, we're just going on what somebody else tells us about their experience. Peter said they had forgotten the cleansing. Forgotten the cleansing. You'll never be barren. You'll never be unfruitful. Verse 9, we'll close with this one. But he that lacketh these things is blind. He doesn't have that anointed eye to see. He can't see spiritual things. He can't discern spiritual truth. His eyes, he's blinded. His spiritual eyes are blinded. Listen to the rest of it. And cannot see afar off. And I'll close with this. And he hath forgotten that he was purged. Forgot about the fountain. Forgot about the saving grace. Forgot about John 3.16. Forgot about Ephesians 2 and 8. Forgot about Romans 10 and 10. Forgot about all the things that pertain to salvation. When you forget about the fact that you were a sinner lost and on your way to hell and God saved you, turned your life around, it takes the bitterness out of you. It takes all that hatefulness out of you takes all that mean spiritedness your trouble is forgetfulness you have forgotten the cleansing you forgot about the fountain that's open in the house of David for sin and uncleanliness can I speak the sentiment of this crowd to say I want to know him more and I want to know him better I want to find out more about him and not only do I want information I want relationship so that when I stand before him, I won't have him tell me I don't know you. It'd be a shame for me to know all about Jesus and even argue with people about who Jesus is and then get up there to heaven and him say, but you don't know me. You know me, but you don't know me. I want to know him. Stand with me, please. Paul said, I want to know him in power. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Virginia, he said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want, to, I want to know him in a special way. I don't want to know him for somebody else so I can tell them what knowing Jesus is like. 
I want to know him in such a way that he knows me. For the Lord knoweth. I said, the Lord knoweth them that are his. I'm tired of grieving the Spirit, aren't you? Tired of the Holy Spirit having to represent me. Praise God, it's time I grew up. It's time I sold out. It's time I got totally committed. It's it's time for me to be all in. It's time for me to be 100% and withhold nothing. It's time for me to say, Lord, here I am and I'm not my own. You bought me with a price. You paid for me with your blood. You saved me by your grace. You made me a new creature in Christ. And now, Lord, I'm yours and you do with me whatsoever you want to do with me. Is that our prayer this morning? Take the head of that person beside you. God, you said, feed the flock of God over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you an overseer to feed the church which he hath purchased with his own blood. God, as I feed this church, please don't let me or them ever forget the cleansing. Don't let us forget that we were purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Don't let us, O Lord, ever come to this house and sit on these seats and walk in and out these doors and walk these aisles to our places without knowing that I'm here because He died for me. He shed His blood for me. And God, if I could always preach that and live that and feed these people that, then we won't be guilty of forgetting the cleansing and forgetting that we were once lost but now we're fine we were blind but now we see lord i ask you to keep our keep our people safe on the highways this weekend as they travel give them an enjoyable time oh lord today and tomorrow god with their families help them to enjoy the holiday but lord most of all don't let us forget help us to remember calvary in jesus name amen and amen